Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 18. After Hours with Leo Gallegos. Friends, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. It's going to be myself being interviewed on the Alto podcast. But we wanted to drop it on this feed to give you guys, honestly, a different perspective of, of myself, Matt, here applying C.S. Lewis to my life and talking about it in a less structured way on another podcast being interviewed. And so this is with my dear friend, Leo Gallegos, who is the founder of Libertas and the host of the Alto podcast. So Alto, A-L-T-O, go check it out. It's an apparel and content seeking to inspire and challenge young men to grow in virtue and to live deeper in their faith. And so Leo, after spending, I believe, roughly a decade in the financial services, and he spent some time also in higher education at Catholic University of America, felt called by God to share his love for the beauty and richness of the faith through Libertas and Alto. And so he's married to a wonderful woman. Her name is Liz, and they have three boys together, currently reside in Virginia Beach, and Something that's pretty cool about Leo is he's an endurance enthusiast. So he regularly competes in ultra marathons. He's trained and run an ultra ultra marathon, which is 100 miles. And so definitely go check him out. Alto Podcast or Alto, A-L-T-O. By the way, such a cool story. I love Leo because the Alto Podcast, by the way, is, is Verso Alto. So that's a phrase by Pierre Giorgio Frassati. I can't remember if he's a saint or blessed and I should have known this beforehand, but either he's in the way to being a saint or he is a saint already. And just a person that verso alto is like to the heights, striving for sainthood, bringing our faith to the summit. And it's a beautiful image of climbing a mountain, which fits very much with a great divorce. So I love Leo. I love what he's doing with this. That's what his podcast is. So check out his Instagram. It's at Libertas Alive. He also has for his running, it's called catholic.running.guy. That's also his Instagram. So check that out. Check out the podcast. I really love him. I go back to our time in San Diego. He's so inspiring to me. What I really love about his podcast, this is why I listen to it. So if this resonates with you, definitely go check it out. He doesn't come from a position of authority trying to tell you what to do. He's just a humble guy that's striving for sainthood. And he's striving to do the best he can. And he's using resources, lives, the, the resources of the saints, of the church, of teaching, of other individuals, inspiration, motivation, to guide him in this process. And then he brings it to others in the Alto podcast. And I really like that because you, you feel like you are a friend. You feel like you relate. You feel like there's someone in the battle with you encouraging you. And I actually needed the Alto podcast greatly a few months ago from when this is released. I came across an episode and it just inspired me. It was actually talking about St. Maximilian Colby, which I forgot that I told El Leo to read that book, uh, which you'll hear in the podcast. And so love it. I bought some of his apparel for my nieces they love it. I've got some photos of it. We should actually put it on our feed. So anyways, guys, that's what this episode is. I really hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a little bit different than our normal ones. So without further ado, please enjoy the interview of me on the Alto podcast. Welcome to the Alto podcast by Libertas. I'm your host, Leo Gallegos, founder of Libertas, host of the podcast, super excited, grateful, stoked that you're joining us today. 
Alto is a podcast meant to inspire, meant to challenge, meant to motivate us to take our lives and our faiths to new heights again and again. Super excited to share this awesome conversation with you. I sit down with my man, Matt Bush. We talk C.S. Lewis. We talk faith. We talk life. We even talk entrepreneurship and business as well. Uh, Matt is the founder and CIO of Trinitas Capital, which is an artificial intelligence-driven hedge fund. And he's the co-host of Pints with Jack, a podcast that seeks to discover the truth and beauty of Christianity through the lenses of C.S. Lewis. Uh, Matt also holds a degree from Notre Dame, and uh, he studied, while at Notre Dame, he studied at Oxford as well. Matt is a really, really good friend. I met him multiple years ago uh, when we both lived out in the San Diego area. We met through a very vibrant, really incredible young adults community out of a parish called St. Bridget's in Pacific Beach. It was a real special place. There were so many people on fire and alive with their faith and they just wanted to connect they wanted to walk together grow together and adventure together and i met matt in this context and i was like man this guy is bright he's on fire and he's awesome at inspiring communicating people uh in the faith and and the reason is is because it's so authentic he's legitimately really just on fire at his core with the faith. And it comes across in the way he communicates, in the way he acts, in the way he talks. And I got to know Matt better, even better, a few years ago when we did Exodus 90 together. He was kind of the veteran of the group. He had done it previously, and uh, the rest of us were doing it for the first time. So he was kind of a leader or led the charge in that sense. And and it was awesome to get to know him a little bit better and to continue to get to know him better um, since then. So it's been a long time coming to get Matt on the podcast, and I'm super stoked that he's uh, sitting down, and I'm going to be able to share this with you guys. Two of the topics that really jump out to me from this particular episode is, number one, the law of undulation, and Matt does an awesome job in exploring and unpacking and explaining this concept from C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters. This is the book that they're currently talking about and expanding on in season four of the Pints of Jack podcast. So we thought it'd be a great way to kind of link with that podcast if we talked about uh, something that's relevant to what they're discussing right now. So anyways, uh, Matt does an excellent job in talking about this concept. Um, basically in life, in faith, in fitness, in in the pursuit of our goals, in, in general, we go through highs and lows. You know, we go through peaks and we go through valleys. And the thing is, uh, it's it's kind of human nature. We tend to discount those lows, those valleys, and we say, you know, I hope they just pass, or I hope this just passes, or, you know, we maybe shut down and just kind of, you know, try to try to hunker down and weather the storm. But through C.S. Lewis, Matt talks about how these valleys, these low areas, have tremendous value and tremendous opportunity for growth, especially in the spiritual life. These can really help us win ground to grow to, to new heights, to deepen our relationship with the Lord. So we so we have to kind of look at them with a fresh set of eyes, with that kind of context, with that kind of clarity, and with that type of mindset, so to speak. And he talks about it in much more depth and succinctness. The second idea that really jumps out to me uh, that we talked about in this conversation is, you know, we tend to look at our past, whether we're talking about a time where maybe we were really on top of everything, we were really in sync, we were really jiving, you know, whether in, in fitness or whether in work or whether in, in some particular pursuit or goal or, or even in our spiritual lives where we felt really consoled, we felt really on fire, you know, we felt the Holy Spirit moving on a regular basis and we tend 
when t- as time passes and we, we fall into more dryness or just kind of more normalcy and where we're not as enlivened as we, we perceive we were in the past, we tend to try to recreate the past. We try to get back to where we're at. And in this conversation, uh, Matt talks about how like that's kind of a mistake. We, we don't need to look back and try to recreate those particular areas or that particular time. What we need to try to do is look forward and try to create new momentum new energy, and new successes with fresh eyes and through and with God's grace. To share this episode with you, I know it's going to resonate with you. Before we get into the episode, a few quick things. You can check out the Pints with Jack podcast on their website, uh, pintswithjack.com, and you can listen to them on anywhere you can listen to basically podcasts on any of the big major platforms. In addition, they're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pints with Jack. Uh, it's an awesome podcast. They're doing amazing work. You definitely got to go check them out as well. In addition, uh, as you already know, I'm trying to do something special here with Alta. I'm trying to create positive momentum. I'm trying to reach as many people as possible, inspire as many people as possible through Alto, through Libertas. It really helps when you rate, review, and share the podcast. So if you're listening to this, please And if you haven't done one of those yet, please go ahead and do that for me. I really appreciate it. Be really grateful. In addition, I think we have some of the dopest, uniquest um, merch, especially Catholic faith-inspired merch that's got like an adventure feel to it uh, on the planet on LibertasAlive.com on our site. Um, If there's anything you want to pick up for yourself or for somebody you love, you know, we have the holidays coming around. uh, Please use Alto10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Again, Alto 10, 10% off your entire order, libertasalive.com. All right, let's get into it. Noon Chepi, let's go. All right, Matt, dude, I am so stoked to have you on, brother. How you doing, man? I am doing well. It is so good to be here, man. Matt Bush, wearing the Agape Libertas long sleeve. I'm super stoked to have this awesome conversation with you, to connect with you uh, on C.S. Lewis. Uh, on some of the awesome work you and David are doing, uh, Pints with Jack, and uh, also just talk about your own faith journey and the intersection of business and faith in your life, man. Dude, I think one of the best ways to get started is, dude, I'm super excited as I've watched the growth of Pints with Jack and the awesome work you guys are doing there. I think let's just talk about that, man. How How is that going? What is it? It's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, first, again, thanks for having me on. I uh, I've been looking forward to this because you and I go way back <clears throat> and we go back to San Diego. We go back to St. Bridget's days. And every time you and I chat and catch up, I just get inspired. And every time you talk, I get inspired, your energy, your passion, your enthusiasm for the Catholic faith. It's just contagious. And I was even listening to one of your episodes today, walking to work and it's the one on St. Maximilian Colby and the three heroes and man, every time, dude, you just, you really get me going. And so to be able to be on here now, I'm just very excited. Well, hey, thanks, brother, man. Pre- appreciate it. I mean, this is feelings mutual. You recommended the book on St. Maximum Colby that I read. And, you know, we've done Exodus 90 uh, together. That was a special experience for me. Got to know you better yeah. along with the other brothers. Yeah, man. I forgot again, I recommended that book to you. Yeah, you said that was, you had said, um, it's the best book. I think here, remember you said it's the best book you will read or the best book on St. Maximum Colby. Either way, I was like, dude, I got to read this. And man, like that, that book was, I could not put that book down and I've recommended it to countless people already. So uh, it's the closest tangible example of a recent person to Christ's self-sacrificial crucifixion type love. 
of him on the cross dying for someone when it says, when you love your neighbor, you're willing to die for them. It's, it's the perfect example of that because it's sometimes very hard to know what that looks like in modern day life. And it inspired me. I've given it to Catholic friends, non-Catholic friends, atheist friends. I'm just like, how can you not love this guy in his story? So I'm so glad that touched you, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's literally, and I'm not even joking to people that are listening. We just, I literally just today launched a a podcast episode with that as one of the three books that are like foundational to me. And that's a transformative (laughs) book. It straight up will change your life, man. That just knowing more about his story will change your life and deepen your faith for sure. Well, yeah, man. Um, so it's all full circle, man. We, we've, this has been uh, some time coming and, um, dude, I'm excited to hear about what's going on with you, especially with, with you and David and, and pints with Jack and all the souls you're reaching there, all the great, all the great stuff you're doing on PAX CS Lewis. What's, what's going on over there? Yeah. Well, what might be helpful is what if I start a little bit with how I fell in love with Lewis? Because that obviously, yeah, that's the thing that's uh, ultimately led to the podcast. So it will, it'll bridge right nicely into answering how the podcast came about and what we're doing with it. But I fell in love with C.S. Lewis and he was actually the person that brought me back to the Christian faith. So I really, I would say I put one foot in atheistic camp. I was never fully in there, but it was during my time at Oxford. So I got into this Oxford program at Notre Dame and spent a year studying there. And when I was there, it was supposed to be the pinnacle of success that I could accomplish at that point in time. I'm like, man, I got to go study at Oxford. I got to be with the students, smartest students, smartest professors. And I had never felt so much despair, so much loneliness, wow. so much depression. It was, it was a dark, it was one of the darkest periods of my life. And at the same time though, I'm still constantly trying to search for truth because I'm like, all right, clearly this worldview that I've been operating under is not working. And I'm reading Tolstoy, I'm reading Dostoevsky, because I found this 100 Great Ideas book series. So I'm reading everything I can, Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion, diving into it. I actually had the pleasure of meeting Richard Dawkins. Uh, He was a professor at the college that I was at, new college there. And did not know that. Wow. That's that's Yeah. (laughs) Read his book and still just, it wasn't satisfying. I was like, all right, this is making me think there could be something here with atheism. But I, I actually, when I ran into him on the quad, I was like, you know, I appreciate your book, but it doesn't seem to answer for me why there's something rather than nothing. And mm-hmm. I didn't quite phrase it so eloquently. Now I know that that, that and a Christian response to atheists. So he pointed me in the direction of Lawrence Krauss, uh, which wrote a book, A Universe from Nothing, How We Have Something Rather Than Nothing. And not very satisfying either. So long story short, I'm in this expiration. I'm not finding any sort of answers to my questions. And so I call one of my, or my best friends uh, back in Michigan. And he goes, Matt, I think you need a little C.S. Lewis. And I'm thinking to myself, C.S. Lewis, like, I mean, I get it. Isn't, didn't he write Narnia? Isn't he like a <laughs> fiction author? Yeah. I'm not really sure he's going to compete with the big wigs that I'm reading right now yeah. from in, in philosophy. But I gave it a try. And so I started with mere Christianity. And I kid you not, when I read that book, it didn't convince me yet that God existed. But the way he describes Mm -hmm. Christian behavior, human nature, uh, he described the Trinity, he described what Christianity is. I said to myself, I don't know if this is true yet, but I know that this seems to be a way to happiness that I'm not experiencing currently in my life. And so that was the thing that pulled me back to Christianity. And so then I went and devoured his great divorce while I was there, devoured screw tape letters, found all of his popular works and just started reading them. And so then when I went back to Notre Dame, ultimately uh, took a theology minor, took a C.S. Lewis course, took a Chesterton course, a bunch of Catholic courses, 
and eventually came back to the Catholic faith. So wow, that's, brother, that's beautiful, man. I didn't, I didn't know that whole story. Yeah. That's the, that's the short three, four minute version of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now I'm out in San Diego. I'm a part of St. Bridges, which is where you and I met yeah, and yeah. it's part of the, yeah. And it, it was awesome. It, it really brought me to my Catholic faith, brought me deeper into it, into the Eucharist, the sacraments and fell in love with it. But I was at a party and I find myself talking about C.S. Lewis constantly just because I fell in <laughs> love with him so much and met this British guy. Uh, and his name is David, David Bates. And just because he's British, I'm like, oh, hey, you're British. I spent some time <laughs> in Oxford. Oh, no way. Next thing you know, within like 30 seconds, C.S. Lewis comes up. And by the end of the conversation, we decided we wanted to start a C.S. Lewis book club. And within one time of the C.S. Lewis book club, we decided we wanted to start a C.S. Lewis podcast. And so we started with nothing, like two of us, cheap $10 microphones from Amazon recording on an <laughs> ironing board in his bedroom. And four seasons later, three books, Mere Christianity, Great Divorce, Till We Have Faces, Screw Tape Letters. It's taken off and it's been a blessing. We've been, this season, we're doing the Screw Tape Letters, which has allowed us to bring a huge amount of CS Lewis scholars on, mm -hmm. uh, bring many guests on. And it's just been a blast to have them on to dive into Lewis. But we always make sure it's pointing us towards Christianity. Obviously, Lewis already does that for you, but our, our motto is to discover the truth and beauty of Christianity through C.S. Lewis. And there's not a better person because he just writes so beautifully and he bridges different faiths well because Protestants love him, Catholics love him, mm. Greek Orthodox love him. JP2 yeah. uh, read 17 of his books and writes about him frequently. So, I mean, he just, he touches everyone. Well, I did not know uh, St. John Paul II read 17 of his books, man. Wow. Oh, yeah. uh, no, I mean, see, like, like just what you're hitting on, he's transcendent. Like, you know, he's compelling regardless of or where you're at in life, basically. He reaches beyond that. That's awesome, man. And man, you were on this like restless heart, Augustine type journey when you were at Notre Dame yes. and in Oxford. And, you know, it sounded like C.S. Lewis, like really light the flame that really propelled you into, you know, the Catholic Christian you are today. Uh, and now, and now you're doing all this work, man. This is great, this is great you, know work. you know, it's interesting too. So not only did, was he the one that kickstarted my my openness to Christianity mm -hmm. in a deep way again, he actually kickstarted my, call it love, to falling back in love with the Catholic faith. Because when I came back from Oxford, I I was exploring Christianity. I was starting to give my life back to Christ but I wasn't going to mass on a consistent basis yet. I, it was more out of just, this is, this was home for me. This is what I was raised. Mm -hmm. It was when we went through mere Christianity and it was before this, but when we started going through mere Christianity to that, he starts talking about this concept called theosis. Mm. And so other, the Greek Orthodox faith is very good on, on unpacking theosis. Uh, we, some denominations will call it deification, divinization, Long story short, it's the quote, the son of God became man so men could become sons of God. And Lewis wrote that and steals it from St. Athanasius. So long story short, it's this idea that we partake in the divine life by receiving Christ. And Lewis wrote, we do this from belief, bread, and baptism. And so bread, Holy Communion, he held mm -hmm. it in really high regards. And so then I started diving into this concept and the Catholic faith writes beautifully about it. And it writes that the sacraments are the primary transmission mechanism of the divine life. It actually writes that in the definition of the catechism. So I'm like, Lewis is talking about this idea to me of receiving the divine life. So essentially being divinized almost and mm. 
partaking in God's divine nature, which transforms us. It gives us our authentic self. It helps die to the flesh as we see in all throughout uh, St. Paul's writing and being reborn in the spirit. Like that process, that theosis process, deification is so powerful. This was Lewis that opened my eyes to that. Then realizing the Catholic tradition beautifully <laughs> already has expanded on this. And I'd yeah. never heard it before. And it been made me realize. The, been there from the beginning, but you didn't, you hadn't made that connection yet. Yep. And so then uh, I've just fell in love with the Eucharist in a new way. I realized that mass, it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's not important, but really it isn't if the homily is not great. And if the music's not great, because if you're going and receiving the Eucharist, you're receiving the divine life. And mm. that's all that mattered to me. And so mass just took on a whole nother, whole nother beauty and importance and role in my life. And so daily mass, I don't make it faithfully every single day. Uh, and it's been hard to build some of these routines back after COVID as yeah. things have shifted, but it's, I try to as much as I can. And it's just such a grace. Dude, man, Matt Bush, dude, you are on fire. We can just stop recording right now. You <laughs> just like grand slam here, dude, knocked it out of the park. Holy smokes. That was, uh, that was awesome. The way you explained theosis, the way you, uh, you know, coming alive spirit. I mean, I'm, I'm big on this fully alive, authentic self. I think of St. Irenaeus, the glory of God is man fully alive. Would that be something similar to theosis or am I misreading yeah. that? Yeah. When he, okay. when he's describing theosis, he doesn't actually use the term theosis, but I, I've put those two together. But when he's describing it, he talks about becoming new men. It's actually the analogy he uses, which will fit with what you just said. He goes, think of God. And then us as like 10 men mm -hmm. and 10 men were made in 10, men are made in the image of God, like are made in our image, but they're not alive. Like we are. Well then imagine you're a tin man and you become alive and you get that spirit. And he goes, that's like the same thing. When we receive the divine life, we go from like a tin man to a man. We go from a tin man looks like a man, but it's not alive. And then it becomes alive. It's the same thing that happens with us through divinization, through seosis. And so, yeah, I would, I think saying fully alive would be a very proper way of describing it. Awesome, man. And your point in your life, you're at the peak of like, I guess, material or world success, you know, in Oxford, you know, you upper crust of where you wanted to be at. And uh, you were miserable though. You were in despair. And then, you know, in my own life, um, in my own faith journey, when I came back to the faith, I was having actually a lot of worldly success. So funny, this paradox of you can have a lot of things the world tells you you think you need, or you think you have to have to be happy, or that you think you need to have to be happy. And you're not alive. You're, you're in, a, in, in fact, a lesser version of yourself. And it wasn't until I think we can both say, or agree that it, it's not until you plug into the Lord and you drink from that well regularly, day after day, that in that measure, that's when you become more alive. And I don't know, I just think you articulated that really well. And just, just the way you kind of shared so far just kind of really points to that. It's very hard to do that sometimes too. It's like, it's the hardest thing, but it's the easiest thing in the sense that when we, when we do go to God and when we do that and we align our wills with him, he gives us our authentic selves back and we become more fully alive. But the problem is our egos tend to want to fight that. And I heard that. <laughs> I know I know that problem very well. Yep. And the world tells you other things. And so actually the great divorce, the big thing. So I mentioned in mere Christianity, the big thing was theosis for me in the great divorce. He says, uh, the, the narrator says at the end of time, there are only two types of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. 
and to those and those to whom God says, "Thy will be done." And the whole point of the book is these these ghosts come from hell and they get a reprieve and they're kind of at the entrance of heaven. Not sure if that's a perfect way to describe it, but mm-hmm. they, they could ascend this mountain and some spirits come to them. And every single chapter is a different example of how a spirit is trying to, an angel more or less, is trying to provide them the grace to ascend the mountain. But as they do it, they find as they're walking on the grass, it's too hard for their feet. It hurts. When they try to pick up an apple, it's too heavy. And what Lewis is trying to to point out here is ultimate reality, truth, is sometimes really hard for us to accept because of our own ego and our own wills and our own desires. So these angels are trying to provide that grace, but every single chapter is a different example about how someone says no, essentially says my will be done, rather than aligning themselves with God's will. And it, that was just a profound book for me because it helped me understand that process of trying to say that will be done. And then essentially, as you mentioned just a second ago, that made me think of this. Like when we do that, we become more ourselves. That's when we experience joy. When we align ourselves with God's will, that's when we are most fully alive and most happy. But it's not yeah. easy. And so after that book, so I found myself in mass constantly on my knees saying, God, please, like, I don't even know if I'm saying that will be done but please allow me every single, every single time to be saying to you, thy will be done. Let that desire be in me. And it's hard to do sometimes. Dude. I mean, Hey man, it's, uh, the struggle's real, man. And, uh, <laughs> it's like one of those struggles that, um, you know, we're never going to really, you know, it's the battle. We're never really going to win. We're going to be fighting till you know, all our time here on earth. But the hope is, is that, you know, it's kind of like we're ascending, uh, a mountain every time you know yeah we're fa- we fall every time you know now uh begin again like new chepi begin again or now i begin begin again and again but each time you begin again hopefully you're beginning from a higher starting point you know what i mean and you're gradually inching your way up even though it's not perfectly linear it's uh it's bit by bit though and uh yeah man that's that's a spiritual life right there baby um, well, you'll you'll but, like um, this you'll like this because i love how you you speak so much with motivation and have you ever heard of Ray Dalio, the hedge fund manager? Oh yeah. 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 So it's long story short, he has this view for secular success where he has this diagram where you, so you set audacious goals, you fail, you diagnose them, update your plan and then learn from it and essentially set a new goal. And it's this spiral that's constantly with setbacks, but working its way higher. That's exactly what you're uh, describing with the spiritual life. It's nice. like, go out in the world, stretch yourself, try to live a certain way. You're going to fall short. You're going to stumble, come home to God, come to prayer, ask for his grace, ask for forgiveness, learn the disciplines that you need to from that. And then start over. I mean, not over, that's not the right way. Um, reset and keep going and going. And hopefully it's a journey that's constantly ascending closer and closer to aligning with his will. Yeah, man. It's like failing yourself to success. Yes. But you're gradually failing. You're failing a little better each time. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, well, anyway, yeah, dude, that's, yeah, dude, th- thanks for articulating that. I didn't know about that concept. That's, uh, that actually puts a lot of a uh, flesh on that idea for me. Uh, really crystallizes it for me. Um, but, um, oh man, dude, we, there's so many things we could talk about with CS Lewis. I know, you, you know, you guys have done now four seasons on pints with Jack. Um, and by the way, guys, if, you're listening to this right now you definitely got to go check out pints with jack you listen to it um anywhere podcasts uh are being heard and you know their website pints with jack as well um but you know you guys have already covered mere christianity 
the great divorce till we have faces. And now you're on the screw tape letters. Um, <laughs> when we were talking about ideas that we could um, kind of unpack and explore just to give folks uh, an, a taste of what you guys are doing and a taste of, of C.S. Lewis. You know, obviously we couldn't do it all in one episode, but we thought it might be fun to just unpack a little bit of what you guys are doing right now with the screw tape letters. <laughs> and I'm probably going to butcher this, but this idea of unulation, did I say it right? Uh, you forgot the D, but unulation sounds pretty good too. <laughs> okay, this idea of undulation. Um, <laughs> there you go. And I thought it'd be an interesting thing to do to talk about because it actually is related to what we just kind of talked about a little mm -hmm. bit in some ways. Um, yeah, so Matt, tell us a little more about what you guys are talking about, about right now with screw tape letters and, and that concept. Yeah, well, the reason when we were talking uh, in preparation for this that I thought this would be a really beautiful concept, it's the law of undulation. It one, I believe it really demonstrates the power of just Lewis's writing mm -hmm. and particularly how, how applicable it can be to our lives. Second, I thought it would be really helpful because the screw tape letters, the power of the screw tape letters, uh, it's just a book where there's a senior demon writing to an apprentice demon about mm -hmm. sin and temptation. How do you tempt the patient as they call him away from our heavenly father, or they call him the enemy. <laughs> And it's just a profound book. So this will give you a taste of that. And then also it uh, will be able to apply it to my life. And as I was telling you before, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet on this episode, but I went through a big uh, trough period in Oxford. Well, I've kind of gone through a recent one again in the last 12 months. And so this specific letter, interestingly enough, spoke to me when we recorded it a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And it spoke to me when I was reading it. And then it spoke to me when I was recording it with David, because David brought other insights of Lewis that I didn't even think about. Some of us other quotes from letters that he wrote to different listeners. And I was like, it was one of the more profound letters I've, I've listened to or uh, I've recorded and read. And so long story short, that'd be perfect to share with, with you and with the listeners here, because it's just, it's such classic Lewis and it is a good example of how it applies to my life. Yeah, man. It's, so, it's beautiful. Yeah. So starting it. So the law of undulation. So essentially this was a letter where the patient was coming off from a spiritual high and is now in a dull place. And so the law of undulation is this concept that Lewis talks about where we are both flesh and spirit. Mm -hmm. And so our spirit is more directed towards the eternal and our flesh is more directed towards the temporal. And, and because we are part of time, we're in constant fluctuation. So we're constantly changing. There's times where we're feeling really good. There's times we're feeling really bad. So he caused them these undulations between these peaks in these troughs. And what, yeah. And what's interesting is in the letter screw tape, the, or Wormwood, the apprentice is getting all excited because his patient's in a very down state mm -hmm. and he's thinking that's a good thing. Down state, despair. Hit him, where, hit him where he's down, like kind of yeah, hit him. exploit that time. That's exactly right. In screw tape, the uh, the senior demon says, hey, hey, wait, 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 be careful. Don't get too excited here because God actually uses those periods of darkness, those periods of despairs to pull people closer to him to permanent possession, to pull mm -hmm. them into his camp. And so he actually writes, and I'll read this directly, a little bit of a quote from it. He goes, now it may surprise you to learn that in God's efforts to get permanent possession of a soul, he relies on the troughs even more than on our peaks. Some of his special favorites have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. And so Lewis writes later in a letter, um, saints particularly go through some of the darkest periods. In 
the reason troughs are such a powerful tool for bringing us to God is because when we're feeling good, mm-hmm. when our emotions are feeling great, it's not actually hard to be nice, to be kind, to do prayer, to do all of these other things. Mm-hmm. It's when we're down that it's incredibly difficult. Mm. And that's the time when God's taking the training wheels off. So we no longer feel that emotional high. And now we need to walk on our own or we need to ride our bike on our own. That's when we are more freely choosing to dutifully love our heavenly father. If you're, you're married, I'm not married yet, but um, you're married and you could, it's, it's pretty easy to be nice to your wife when you're feeling good. And it's when you aren't, when you will that choice to love her every day, that there's almost a more beauty in that because you're doing it despite your feelings. Cause there's sometimes you're just down and yet mm-hmm. you choose to serve her and to love her. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very similar concept with that. But what Screwtape points out and what C.S. Lewis says in here is, even though it's a powerful tool for God, it's equally can be a tool for Satan. Because when we're in those dark places, as I have experienced in my own life, both in Oxford and even now, when you're feeling down, it's also incredibly easy to turn to bad habits, to turn to escapist behaviors, to let your prayer life die, to let your diet die, to drink more, to turn to TV more, um, mm-hmm. you can fall into sexual temptation more. Uh, it's just, it's a very easy period for your habits and your form in your virtue formation to be thwarted by Satan. Okay. For your like discipline to break and your focus to kind of break, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And so what was helpful for me so far as I was reading this letter was to recognize that I have a choice here in this moment because now we will get to this a little bit later with my own personal story more right now, but being in more of a troth period, I have a choice I can make. Do I be obedient to uh, our heavenly father or do I choose the escapist behaviors? Do I allow my virtues, the things that I have formed in the good period to go out the window? Am I willing to stand up on my own? And am I willing to ride my bike without the training wheels? And I wanted to read what I believe is one of the most profound quotes from the screw tape letters that sums this up right from this chapter. This is Satan speaking here. He goes, mm-hmm. our cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, meaning our heavenly father mm-hmm. looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and asks, why has he been forsaken? and still obeys. Wow. That last part and still obeys. This is a concept that Lewis brings constantly in his writings, but I'm noticing it very significantly in the screw tape letters. Mm -hmm. When we act despite our feelings, when we obey despite our feelings, when we will to love people rather than just because we feel like loving people, that's the most powerful time. When you pray, there's another letter on prayer that we did a few weeks ago. When you pray, when you don't feel like praying, that's almost more beautiful to God, is more beautiful than when you feel like praying because you're, you're choosing to obey despite your emotions. And so this letter itself has just been very helpful for me in this period to recognize because I have not been perfect, to be blunt. I have turned to escapist behaviors. I've lost some of my spiritual disciplines. I feel like I'm on the way up again, but it has been tough. And this has been very encouraging to me to know that I have a choice here. And if I turn to God, he'll help provide those graces that I can develop the disciplines and be obedient despite my feelings and my emotions. About the peaks and troughs, which you mean is like the highs and lows of life. 
you know, yep. and, and we all have them. Um, we all have these swings. Um, and man, I just love, love how you selected to talk about this and the way you articulated it. And in a way, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm taking it in right, it's like you're saying in reality, the real battleground, the, or, or the, yeah, the, the real battleground or the, or the, the specific battleground and where we gain ground is right when it's hard, <laughs> when, you know, our feelings are important, but they're not by any means the whole story. Right. Yep. Um, our will, our, 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 our character, like other things outside of our, just our emotions and our feelings. If I'm getting it right. You're kind of saying that we win tremendous ground when we inch towards doing the right thing. Even when we've lost, when we feel like we can't go anymore or when we lost hope, like he said, you, the Christian chooses to obey even when they feel forsaken or like they've lost all faith, but they still continue to choose faith. And man, that's, that's right well, there. First of all, you've, where... you've nailed it. And yeah. that makes me think of, was it Muhammad Ali? Was it Mike Tyson? Someone said, how many like sit-ups can you do? And I'm probably going to get this wrong, but the message will be correct. <laughs> and they're always like, yeah, I oh, get, you I get hundred kind of things wrong all the time. dude. <laughs> I love it. Just roll with David, it was, you just got to yeah. sound like you're right and it'll be right. He goes, he goes, I don't start tell, I don't start counting until it hurts. And I think that's exactly the same message here and, and beautifully how you articulate it. It's when the rubber meets the road, it's when it's most difficult. It's then the choices that you make that really, really make a difference in your spiritual journey. And mm-hmm. we want to not make this all rosy, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Can, you can make the choice, unfortunately, to develop bad habits. And that's when it's very important to strive your best to, to do the right habits. And I don't have the yeah. quote here, but Lewis also had wrote that there's going to be times when you stumble. And what God likes is when you walk, when he, when he lets you go and you start walking on your own and you, or you desire to walk. Let me rephrase that. And even if you stumble, he's going to help you back up. It's, it's, you're going to stumble along the way and that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. But the point is your desire to walk is what pleases him. And he's going to help you back up. And for me in this journey, um, whenever we end up turning to some of like the more personal stuff that's been going on, but like in the journey, whenever I stumble or whenever I just feel down or whenever I feel despair or um, neglect certain spiritual things, it's it's confession, man. Confession is that getting back up. It's like, God, I need you right now. And I need to turn to you in this moment. Amen, man. And dude, I'm glad you brought up confession because I haven't gone for a while up until I just went Friday, but it'd been a long time since I've went. And God, it was, it was, it was so well needed. It was so much needed. We can't, go to confession too much. I mean, it's just like such a grace, such a gift for all of us. And we need to make sure we leverage it as much as possible. It's got to be built in. It's, we don't we don't like make time for confession. We put confession in and make time for other stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's that important. It's that enriching. It's that um, key to just living a good life, but also living a new chepi, a, a deep faith, beginning again and, and beginning, you know, beginning again and again. I've awesome, had that. Uh... I've had three incredibly, I've had many, many powerful confessions, but I've had three incredibly powerful ones. My first one was actually when I came back to faith, uh, right before going to St. Bridget's fully. And when it went from my head to my heart, I was with a priest and I had no desire to go to confession. We were on a retreat up in Whispering Winds and long story short, the retreat ended up moving me enough to get me to go to confession. And I also in just 10 minutes, I'm talking to priests. I just started bawling crying. And I said, it was my first confession. Well, probably since, uh, 
first communion, maybe confirmation. I don't really know. It was, it was first confession in a long, long time. Your first adult and, confession? Yes. First adult act of confession. I essentially just said, God, I, you know, I am so sorry, God, for choosing everything but you. It's like, and I, what I said is I know a ton about faith because by this point, I've already taken my theology minor. I know, I can, t- can tell you all of the main things. I can read you Coach Augustine. I can tell you, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what's wrong, but I'm still not choosing you. And mm-hmm. I just started bawling with the priests. And then I had one right after COVID because COVID hit me hard. And all of us, uh, just, you're, you're not alone yeah. there. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you're a little, sometimes I think you can be a little hard on yourself, man. Um, you know, and I just want you to know, man, like it's been a crazy year for a lot of us, including myself. So man, yeah, but you're still well, that, in the fight, man. You're still in the fight. Well, and that's what the priest pointed out. I, without the sacraments, without mass, I really just, I had a hard time even watching virtual mass. I had a hard time with the concept of spiritual communion. And yeah. I know theologically it's a powerful thing still, uh, but it was just really hard for me. And so then as that started to fall to the wayside, my daily rosary started to fall. And so I went to confession when it first time it opened back up before the first mass. And the priest just said, what a grace. After I explained this all to him, I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> what a grace. He goes, how beautiful that you learned of your need for the tangible presence for Christ, for the sacraments, how weak you are without them. And I was like, yeah, you know what? As someone who used to pride myself in being incredibly disciplined and willing anything, I used to be like, I can white knuckle my way to anything. No, that's just not true. I can't do without God's grace. And so that was a really powerful one. And then I had one a a month ago that was brought me to my tears with despair. It's probably about two months ago now. was just in complete despair. thought I was just gone in the Christian journey. And the priest just said, don't lose hope. God's here with you. You're in a down spot. And I want you to know deeply that I'm praying for you. And I just start crying. It's, it's amazing how like, sometimes you get that grace where like the priest or even, even like someone you're close to, like a friend, or sometimes it's even just a total stranger, but the Lord through, through that person and just the right message, the right consolation, the thing you need to hear the most. And a lot of times it's very simple, but it's, Simple yet it's powerful, um, and I think those are a few examples you just shared, man. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, man, because that's uh, that's real stuff, man. That's that's the real journey right there. That's the real battle right there, man. That's real life. And um, dude, actually, I mean, we're talking more of your, you know, a little bit more of your personal journey. I think this is a great segue to just let's talk about. Um, I mean, because it kind of links up with, I know you were you know, with COVID and with your work situation, all these adjustments, and you know, moving from from city to city, you know, with a crazy, with a crazy market. Why don't you, let's just talk a little bit about like, you're an entrepreneur, you're a very successful person. Uh, you're doing some big things. Uh, you got a, you got a really high paced, fast paced job. So tell us a little more about like your, your professional background and, and kind of how you found yourself in that point. Yeah. So I've had a dream that. I've wrestled with since high school. I've gone hot and cold with it. I've had a dream to uh, be a hedge fund manager, essentially to run a hedge fund. And I loved the markets back in high school and loved them in college. And then I remember when I went on a trip to Israel, I first really started learning about scripture, learning about faith. I was there for two weeks. And I remember leaving, I remember going into it wondering, God, I wonder if you can be a Christian and be a hedge fund manager. <laughs> I had a very simplified view of hedge fund managers just try to beat the market and take some of the profits. And is that really a, a great use of intelligence, capabilities, the talents that I've been given? 
And eventually after like going to pre-med, uh, I eventually came fully around to realizing that this was a calling. And I, uh, ended up working at a company for five years out in San Diego while well, I left to eventually start my own. And, realize the power of artificial intelligence and realize that there's a potential to really use AI to help invest in the markets and mm. to ultimately attempt to beat the markets. And so it was a, a leap of faith. I just, I pulled the plug and left my job without fully having this strategy in place. Obviously I had confidence I'd be able to develop one. And so you, you basically self-taught yourself programming and, um, it's really, it's kind of a unique strategy and you merged a couple of different concepts together, right? And uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. And I had to spend about three months really refining the AI abilities. And so I, I knew some, I knew some programming, but I had to really dive into AI at a deeper level. And so I took a bunch of online courses uh, in a, a very tight period and believe I was correct that this is, there is huge potential here. And so I actually started that in first year, year and a half went phenomenally well. And then, um, then essentially a little bit before COVID went through a bit of a tough period, but then COVID just hit. Um, it led to a market dynamic where essentially a few stocks just held up the entire market. Um, essentially the big five tech, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google. And so if you didn't own those, you underperformed the market. And so mm-hmm. not only was I in a season where, uh, not only was I in a season where it was this, the strategy was struggling to keep up with the market due to what happened there um, with COVID. Plus I'm in isolation because of COVID. Plus I had just gotten back from New York. So mm-hmm. I lived in New York for a year to help do some programming. I forgot to mention that and was collaborating with a gentleman there who, who started a long short fund and long story short, uh, living there, not having a community was the first kind of beginning of, struggle when you don't have that spiritual community around you. And so that actually started before COVID. And then when I came back to Michigan to live here full time and to do this, it really hit me hard with everything I just described a second ago. And it just put me in a really dark spot. Um, without mass, without um, confession, without adoration, those are some some practices that really keep me grounded in my faith. Uh, the road and, then, to go to the and then without community too, um, without community. Cause yeah. Cause essentially I haven't built a community here yet in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. I haven't built the church community like in St. Bridget's and then I'm living on my own and then COVID hit. And so I just got into where I would go to work. I would give everything I could to work because it was chaotic and I had to stay focused, but then I would come home and you essentially just turn to um, watching TV, mindless stuff, trying to yeah. escape, escapist behaviors, um, yeah. drinking, drink, more than I drinking too much, right? Yep. Yeah. Drinking too much, um, uh, fell into sexual temptation, uh, again. And that was a tough thing, uh, after having really worked with, worked on that successfully, um, years in the past. And so it was just a really dark period for me. Um, and so that really put me in a trough and that's actually where these, those two confessions I was referencing, the two of the three happened afterwards. And so I went to the oh, priest wow. and explained all this and, and then the, the upward trajectory started coming. Um, well, one thing I did, by the way, was I, I had to go then live with my best friend because I was like, I can't live on my own, these bad behaviors. And I hadn't read this Lewis letter yet, but I was like, I could see these behavioral patterns setting in. I'm like, this is dangerous. This is dangerous. Yeah. I cannot let this happen. So I uh, ended up moving in with my best friend since I was working from home anyways and um, mm-hmm. brought my monitors and worked remotely with him. 
And that really helped. That kept me from, from <laughs> that kept Satan, honestly, from developing super bad behaviors. And so with him, I was able to exercise and was able to have some sort of good community. And so I've been on the upward trajectory since then, but it's been the stumbling still, the ups and downs. So there were some behavioral patterns that I'm still trying to break and it's led to some despair. And at some moments where I, when I'm in, I'm in a bit of a setback, it's, it's hard because you think to yourself, am I ever going to get back to where I was mm-hmm. and where I was in, when I was in St. Bridget's. So like 2016, 2015, when every, I was on a high, I mean, I was a part of that community. I was, I was a, a leader of the Bible studies. It was just an incredible period. And you, I did an Exodus 90 there and I probably did it pretty close to perfectly because it wasn't yeah. that hard. Everything felt great. Yeah. And then when we all did the one, we did was going in one direction. It was going in exactly all, right. All the energy was going in, in a favorable direction. That's exactly right. And so then yeah. when we did one, when I was uh, in New York, it was mm-hmm. tough. And yeah. obviously we were sharing with the community. I was falling short in ways and I was trying my best. And I was doing what I can. I was, and I, it just put me in more despair because I'm like, man, have I just lost it all? Yeah. If I lost everything. And so then I started questioning, am I becoming weak because of sin or things I'm doing in my life? And so that's why this letter actually was so powerful because if you actually wouldn't mind, I want to read one quick quote from yeah, this yeah. letter that actually applied really specifically to what I was wrestling with today. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote, many religious people lament that the first fervors of the conversion have died away. So think me back in 2015, 16, 17, yeah. I had that great energy. They think sometimes rightly, but not, I believe always that their sins account for this. So this was me. I'm thinking it's my sins. I'm in this state of despair because my sins have done this. And then he says, they may even try by pitiful efforts of will to revive what now seems to have been the golden days. It's exactly what I was trying to do. I actually was trying to use Exodus 90 with you to get me back to those days. I'm like, you know, if I just rid myself of these habits, I will be, it'll be perfect again. And here's what he finishes. But were those fervors ever intended to last? And so the lesson that he tries to teach here is exactly what we just mentioned the momentum, as you said, was in my favor. It was easy. God's now taking the training wheels off my life right now. He's saying, Matt, those first couple of years, I made it easy for you. And I believe he did that for a reason because it let me realize the beauty when you're living and you're aligning yourself with his will. But now he's saying, well, now I want you to love me out of obedience, not just feeling. And I want you to follow my way, not just because it feels good, but because you know, it's the right thing to do. Because Honestly, I've, and I still haven't fully switched this mindset because remember, I just read this letter three days ago from where we're recording this. But what God has been placing in my heart is I can't be doing all of these practices for desire to make myself feel like I did four years ago. That's not what he's calling. And there's he's calling no, for, and it's, and it's like, there's not really any going back, right? It's, it's that process of David Bates said it right, my co-host. He goes, it's imagine when you're in love, you, you, you meet your wife in the first couple of years, it's like the honeymoon stage. And when that dies, your goal is not to just constantly try to recreate the honeymoon stage. It's to die to a new kind of love. Mm. And I'm in this dying process of to a new kind of love with God, a new type of relationship, a beautiful type of obedience. And it's still foreign to me. And I was even telling David, because he's saying this to me on the podcast, I was like, you know, this sounds great, but I honestly, God, I just want to go back to the other ones like this. It, I still don't know what it looks like. I don't actually have answers. I just know I need to remain obedient and he's going to bring me to the other side. What that looks like, what that feels like, I have no idea, but that's, that's the season I'm in right now. And, it, and I, I share that with the listeners because it's not always fun to be in this transition period, but 
I'm trusting God my best of my abilities that he's using this. He's drawing me closer to him. I hope the net effects, I know I've developed some bad behaviors, but I also hope I've developed some good ones through this period. And I hope the net effects have been drawing me closer to his will out of obedience. Man, God is a good father, man. And you know, like I, I have three boys, three young boys, and they're, they're growing. They're trying new things every single day, um, bringing themselves. They're still trying at times. And, and I know, and I'm a super imperfect, you know, weak father, especially in comparison to, in comparison to the way the follows us. And man, I think the father sees your effort. He's, I think he's more focused on your effort in some ways and focused on that motivation to try to follow him than in some cases, than the actual letter of the law and exactly how it plays out. But man, what good father, earthly father wouldn't be proud of his son for just their effort and for just trying hard. You know what I mean? And I think father, the father, he's a good father and he sees that man. Cause uh, knows, that, man, I mean, it comes off, it comes off real, um, real sincerely, man. I know you're, I know you're doing your best and you know, that's, that's the journey right there, man. That's, that's the walk right there. And for one thing really jumped out of me on what you were saying, and I'm going to try to articulate it. Uh, hopefully this you makes sense. You did a sense. great job articulating the letter, by the way. So uh, I, right, I have well, high I, expectations I, of no your pressure. ability to re-articulate. <laughs> oh, and by the way, like this, when you were saying upward momentum, was that like, did the, did the rebound really start when you bought your Agape t-shirt from Libertas Alive? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was probably a similar period. Yeah, well, that was probably right. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that actually, you forgot to mention that, but I think that was probably what like started the upward you know, the upper rebound. Um, Honest to goodness though, it was somehow I did come across your stuff again in depth in, because remember I just turned away from all of good practices. And so I wasn't listening to any good, like healthy podcasts or stuff like that. And I can't remember exactly what it was. So unfortunately I won't be able to pinpoint it, but I remember coming across your stuff and I remember reading about verse Alta. I think I actually listened to one of your first two podcasts actually probably. And it just inspired me. It goes, it was, it was, it was the hope that I needed. I'm not making this up now. I do remember this. It was a hope that I needed in a very dark spot that, you know what? I want to verse Alta because I'd already read the, the, the man, man of the, the attitude. attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And so it reminded me of that. It reminded me of his story and just your statement. I was like, you know what? I want that. I need that. And so I bought these shirts. As you know, I also bought two for my one-year-old and two-year-old niece. Yeah. And I just, I, I was like, I, I just need this stuff. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, that's, that's awesome. I, so I want to, I'm going to take a little bit of credit then. All right. Um, <laughs> so, and then now the other thing is I'm going to go with this market, this market, you know, these market terms that we're talking about. Like, I think a lot of us, and you know, you were talking about it as well. And, and I definitely had this too, because I had a high period. I came back to the faith when we were living out in San Diego through the same, specifically through the St. Bridges community. So man, I was on an all-time high there as well. And I think there's this tendency for us. And sometimes it's, I'm not even talking about just the faith life, just in general things. Um, there's this tendency of us, we want to go back to where we had this great energy and this great momentum but maybe the real trick is, and maybe the real mission is, is to not go back to that momentum, but to build new momentum and to commit to that mindset that like, look, that was great back then, but I'm growing now. I'm even more mature now. And I'm going to start new momentum, hopefully even stronger than the one before. And and in a way we can't, you know, the past is beautiful and some, or sometimes it can be beautiful, but man, it's, it's gone. And we got to really look forward and figure out like what momentum we can build now with where we're at now, and what we know now. And I think the way you explain that and the way you kind of articulate it, I think it points right to that, that mindset that we really need to try to like 
you know, adopt and move forward with. And dude, that's such a good word and such a, a great way of articulating what I was attempting to say. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> Thank you dude. for doing it much more simply than my wordy verbose monologue. No, 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 no man. We're just hitting, we're hitting, uh, we're hitting the same thing on, but just on different sides. Okay. So dude, so thanks for sharing that, man. That is, is super, super powerful, super insightful. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of folks and, and I want to thank you again, man, for being so vulnerable and open dude. Cause it's hard to talk about this stuff, man. And, and this is real world stuff. And uh, yeah, I man, found, that's, what's, that's what's really I going on. I found when you're fighting Satan and you're fighting sin and temptation, the best way to do it is to name it and to be open with people to be authentic. It's when you hide it that I feel like it has more power over you. So yeah, it's not always fun and easy. Uh, I've, the only reason it's a little bit easier today is because I've done it on, my, on our podcast already a little bit. So, uh, but I remember the first time it's like, yeah, when you're leading a podcast and you're the one speaking all these spiritual principles, you feel like you have to be perfectly following them. Mm. And what I like to show is it's muddy and I'm in the mud and I'm in the weeds and these principles, I'm trying to apply them to, to, to grow and to learn. And so hopefully people can see it. So rather than I'm already there teaching you all, it's like, I'm in it with you. And this is just what I'm learning. And if it help, if it's helping me, I hope it can help some of you guys. Amen, brother. That's it right there, man. I mean, that's just, I love what you said. I love what you said about the authenticity thing. I mean, it's, it's true, man. Like there's enough, there's enough fake stuff out there. There's enough like surface level, let's just, you know, and I'm not, on the flip side, I'm not saying we got to like be pouring our hearts out all the time either, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, you know, like, as, especially as us guys, we really, sometimes we can really hide behind different things, right? We can put this like version of ourselves out into the world and really like use it as a mask, uh, mm-hmm. as a way to protect ourselves. And like, we need to, that's not real masculinity. That's not like real strength. Um, I think living from like a humble heart and a, and a real heart is like really where we really want to try to try to grow into or we try to put, need to try to put our focus man you know what matt there's so much more we could talk about um i've got a list here of some ideas that i was going to ask you some questions i'm going to ask you but man we're just not going to have time today um honestly we're going to have to have you back on the alto if, if you're up for that um because it would i know be we're going to be back awesome awesome man because we could get into more renewable stuff we can get into more business things i know you're the president of international business council i'd love to hear more about that and the work you guys are doing there um, but dude, this has been an amazing conversation already. And I'm excited to share this conversation with the Alta listeners and beyond that, hopefully as well. So I just, before we end today though, I want to just let listeners give an opportunity to know how they can learn more about you, how they can learn more about Pines with Jack and just kind of share with us like some of the ways they can just kind of track all the stuff you and David and, and you personally are doing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And Appreciate the kind words too of, of, of our conversation. Appreciate you having me on. Um, short answer is uh, the main the main way is to the podcast. And so it's called Pints with Jack. It's like you said, it's on all of the different channels. We have the website, pintswithjack.com. David, I'm very anti-social media. It's, it's uh, something that I just need to do for my own spiritual journey. But he manages Instagram and Twitter, both Pints with Jack handles, and he does... Uh, inspirational quotes from Lewis and beautiful graphics there. And on Twitter, he engages people a lot. So yeah, those are, those are really uh, the main ways. Uh, and then maybe down the road, there'll be a pints with Chesterton or a pints with Augustine. We've talked about those, but for now it's pints with Jack. That would be awesome. Bro. That, I didn't even think about that. That would be, that'd be dope, man. I, I might've already that. bought the rights to those. <laughs> and the, uh, what's it called? And the, uh, the website address or the IP address. Dude, that's yep. awesome, man. Well, um, 
All right, brother. Well, thanks so much again for coming on, man. I'm super stoked to get this out and share this. And again, we're super grateful to connect with you. We're going to have to do this again. And God bless you and all the, all the work you guys are doing, man. Dude, absolute pleasure. God bless you as well, brother. All right, brother. Thanks.